0: And we're back with another episode of Startup Hustle here for the thrilling conclusion, part four of the Million Dollar Bedroom series based on my book, Million Dollar Bedroom. I'm here with Daryl Blackburn. Hi, Daryl. Hi, Matt. You ready?
1: <laughs> Has your voice dropped due to the uh, heavy load of podcasting? Well, I figured at this point I'm a seasoned podcaster. So I'm trying to build my brand, I think. There's some truth to that. <laughs> You know, the important thing to remember is
0: I'm really good at not turning on the video feed. So um, for those of you just joining us here on video, you didn't miss much so far. So, you know, Daryl, you've been here in these, uh, you know, these last three episodes have been about my book, Million Dollar Bedroom. Uh, Your relevance to that is, well, you were working with us.
1: Yep. and Been uh, along for the ride.
0: Yeah. And thanks for that again. Um, so this, this last section in this episode are not necessarily directly related all to like the story of the million dollar bedroom, but I put this fourth section in there because as I wrote the first part of the book, I realized that, you know, I'm one of those people that always tells you, if you're going to come to me with a problem, you better have a solution. And, uh, and I kind of, and while we offered a lot of solutions throughout million dollar bedroom, which can be purchased on amazon.com, um, I realized that I'm not really doing you much of a service unless I give you some realistic advice related to how to get your business started. Um, in the last episode, we were talking about some of the things you need to know before starting the next big thing. Um, I think there were some valid points in there related to, uh, you know, trying to judge the market and just do some different stuff. Is there enough room in there for more competition? Understanding a path to revenue and knowing what you're getting yourself into. So despite all that information, you're ready to blaze forward with your great idea, aren't you? Ready. Okay. let go. Why are you ready to move forward with your brilliant idea? Are you just positive it's going to work? It's going to make me a million dollars okay that's not as much as it used to be a bit
1: uh, one million dollars
0: yes exactly like 1.0 or like
1: does it just stop there yes okay just on the dot okay based off my financial projections well that are round numbers
0: (laughs) and it's going to happen in a perfectly linear and planned way with no like everything does Uh, well so uh, yes of course um Well, let's talk about this plan, Daryl. Because from the guy in the room with the fancy degree to the guy in the room without one, um, I've got quite a bit of experience in these matters, and uh, I have taught myself a lot about this. Um, I and I'm, by the way, for those of you listening, I'm not the one with the fancy degree. Um, I am the one, well, you have a lot of experience too, but there's really something I learned about when it comes to creating your plan and that a, your plan is never going to go the way you think it is. B it's going to probably, um, contain a whole lot of crap that you didn't even know you needed to know. And that the, classic way that you're trained about how to create a business plan in business school is freaking flawed. Why? Because in business school, they teach you, it goes from A to B to C to D to E to F to G. And in reality, uh, it's never gone that way. Never (sighs) once in the history
1: of business has it gone exactly how they teach you to do it in school. Yeah. I don't remember the part where you repeat steps A four different times throughout the process in a book.
0: I always tell people it's more like, um, so you started at A and then you realized that C didn't come to work. And then you found out later that C didn't come to work because C was in an unapproved relationship with D who dumped C and then got mad and quit. C came back to work, but you realize you really couldn't even get to C because your plan for B was so wrong. Everything was still stopping at A. Anyway, I can come up with the unlimited yeah. versions
1: of that. And well, the worst part of that story is you end up at HR.
0: HR, nice. <laughs> oh my god, that was spontaneous. Word, you are a seasoned podcaster. We'll it's have you the back. experience. That was actually the second funniest joke um, on the <laughs> nice. history of startup hustle. I don't even know what the first one was, but I'm not. I'm not going to give you that. <laughs> that was really funny, and you do end up at HR or e or g or p or whatever it is like
1: i mean really And we got. i think the point is business is messy
0: it is it is and, and and there's no way that you can learn or know or anticipate everything that's about no. to happen um and now that being said i uh, i you know in million dollar bedroom in section four it's titled sticking your tail in the pool that's what you want to do at first like i okay look I in my I have another book I wrote called Balance Me, and I literally give the advice. Sometimes you have to jump and then build wings, but that's after you've created some kind of a plan. Do not jump and then build wings unless you know that you have all of the materials, the understanding, and the time to build said wings before you pound into the canyon floor. Fair? Very. Okay. So, Daryl, my friend, you, sir have gone to a top 10 business school, um, graduating with honors with that. And with that, they teach you quite a bit about planning, right? They do. Okay. So there's a lot of components that go into it. Now, if you're going to, if you have a great idea, um, now Matt Watts and I are kind of funny because we, we aren't really the most meticulous planners, but I've really learned that parts of the business plan are essential. Um, and if you get them wrong, they can have a profound effect on your success or failure. So, um, so there's a couple of different ways to do it. And up until becoming uh, business partners with Matt Watson, I'd never, I've never taken outside money other than the very first partner I had, which I bought out seven months later because having partners can be kind of kind of tricky. But you want to create a cynically optimistic plan, right? You do. That sounds like uh, it's an oxymoron, but I think that that's really good advice.
1: I, I do too. Honestly, I think the idea that you need to plan for success and failure gives you the best shot at success in the long
0: run. I agree. I agree. And, you know, you have quite a bit of experience working with me and doing different stuff that involve different types of planning. What are some of the things that you start to consider when you get into creating a cynically optimistic business plan?
1: So I think you always want to take a look at best case scenario, worst case scenario, and most likely scenario. And then I think from there, you always... Good, better, best. Yes. And then from there, I think you always want to have pivot points. So that if this is going well, but not quite as well as I want it to go, where could I potentially pivot? So being proactive in turning that plan into the plan's success that you want it to be ultimately. So I think that's the important takeaway from that. So you're planning for best case, you're planning for worst case, you kind of know where it's more likely to go. So you plan for that too, and make sure you always have some pivot points to where you can easily then have a second or third path if you meet the resistance that you've already prepared to experience?
0: I think that was perfectly said. I mean, it really was. And, you know, when I talk to people, I feel like creating a business plan, a good business plan is the same thing as creating a good contract. And the and with that, I mean, you have to have a sunny and a rainy day scenario and, you know, cause um, so many things plan for what will go if things go wrong or what will Happen if things go right, but they don't plan for both. Right, you got to be prepared for both, Um, and and that's hard to do. Uh, I think that a lot of people that are creating a plan, you know, they because we want to be optimistic, we want to believe that our ideas are great and that they're going to work. That we're like, yeah, and this is going to happen. But you know, here's the thing: is your numbers and your projections and your plan have to be based in reality. They can't be based on, you know, unicorn tears and and pixie dust or whatever, because that's just not how business operates. Business is hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. Running and managing a business is really hard. And it's about your ability to adapt, to handle change, to solve problems and to deal with these zillion fires that are going to break out on any given day.
1: Well, and I think by nature, we're designed to only look towards that optimistic success route because that's what we want. And then that goes right back to the advice I think we gave in the last part where you can't operate business with your feelings and your emotions. Right. So that plan doesn't always fail because you had a bad idea or an awful game plan. Sometimes things happen that are out of your consideration yeah There's just nothing you could have done about it and that's that's business
0: and that doesn't always mean that you fail
1: yes that you have to be able to handle that but you, you can't
0: run things on such such a tight margin that if
1: one little bump comes along you're done yes you and have to so, be prepared to handle that so one of the things that I, That I think we talked about, I might have even picked this up from you, is that you always hear the people that don't succeed, and it's always, they hear the story of people that do succeed, and it's that, well, they got so lucky, but they didn't. There's no luck. Luck isn't real, what is it? It's a preparation and opportunity at an intersection. Exactly, Those people were prepared for that downside to happen. And they were prepared to pivot into something that could launch them into a more successful path. Well, they were just more
0: prepared. You know, I'm, I'm pretty vehement about the fact that luck doesn't exist. And I've had people say, well, what about the guy that won the lottery? I'm like, he was prepared by buying a ticket. And the opportunity was the drawing current afterward and bam. And, and, you know, and then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, well, okay. Now, if you're walking across the street and you get hit by a bus, that may be unlucky. But if that's how you want to look at it, But I, you know, what drives me nuts is when people, I'll talk to people and be like, dude, you've been really lucky. You've done well for yourself. And I I say, uh, I didn't
1: feel too lucky last week when I clocked my 81st hour. Yeah. The hours that you've logged, the the moments that you've been prepared and moments where it could have went the other way if you weren't. You know, on it's that sa- on that
0: same subject, because you've been privy to so many of the employees that have worked with and around us, uh, have uh, have every single one of them ask you if I ever sleep?
1: At some point, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like the funniest thing in the company. Like, I actually kind of address it ahead of time. Like, First off, yes, I do sleep. Second off, I'm not an AI chat bot.
1: <laughs> and second off i'm not a vampire look i'm just here trying to be an instagram model i don't know yeah i know i hear you it's just uh all
0: right so we're you're going to move forward with this this brilliant idea and um you don't have any money or you don't have enough money or you know you're going to need more money so you're going to need to put all this stuff together an actual plan right yes okay and I, you know, I'll tell you what this this whole section of million dollar bedroom, along with this episode, in many ways is a is a public service announcement. If you need to raise money, seek investment, or do anything related to gain, gaining capital for your idea, your business, or whatever the frick it is that you're doing, please listen carefully because I'm going to save you a lot of heartbreak, and we're going to help you find a much higher rate of success by teaching you how to do a few things. That will either to teach you how to not do things or understand that certain things don't exist, and so on. So we're gonna actually kind of breeze through that. There's about a million components that exist in a in a proper business plan. Um, you know, the first one and the one that I think is the most important, and quite honestly, the one that most investors only care about seeing first is the executive summary. You know, and, and the executive summary is, is the summary, the boiled down version of what it exactly is that you do. What, right. you know, who's the market? Who's the, what's the service? What's the product? How are you going to sell it? You know, how, are you, how are you planning on funding it? What are the expenses and what are your projections? Now, look, the other 40 pages of your business plan are going to include more details about that. But your executive summary needs to be short and needs to be sweet and needs to be concise. And you need to take out any words, phrases, data, information, or opinions that are not laser sharp.
1: Agreed. And I I think one thing that is very important to remember when creating your executive summary is your audience. So make sure you're speaking to your audience. You're, You're likely sending this to someone who has 100 of these on their desk to review. Yep it's a 40 page document, get down to why they should spend their time looking at the other 39 pages. I think an executive summary should be one page,
0: which is often referred to as the one pager. Yep. Like if you can't get my attention in that, or you can't fit the basis of what you're doing on one page, it's too complex, you know? And so why do I know a lot about business plans? I haven't Accepted a lot of business. Yeah, I invest in businesses, Daryl. I've I I am a part. I'm an investor in several businesses. I actually help businesses and entrepreneurs create these kind of plans for possible funding and stuff like that. And I have been handed, emailed, mailed, any other form of delivery you can come up with business plans. You know, when I go into, I do public speaking stuff, I usually end up with five or six people that have a business plan that they want to give me afterward, which by the way, I'm cool with it. Keep bringing them. But there's a few things that I'm going to save you some heartbreak on before we get any further. First off, do not have a tech idea about your com, And then right below it, it says to learn more, email me at blah, 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 at yahoo.com. <laughs> I will throw your fucking business plan in the trash. Why? Because if you can't even create a, an email at the domain you're trying to sell me on, why would I believe that you can build the technology that goes with it?
1: So that's back to, it's like an in-person interview. You have one chance to make a first impression. And that is not the way to do it or do it well. You've lost all credibility.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and do you, uh, you get why, right? Absolutely. I I think the only
1: one would be worse is AOL.
0: Any (laughs) of them, any of them like have an, make an email that is at the domain that you're trying to pitch me on. Um, That is probably the number one pet peeve. I mean, honestly, I don't really even want your 46 page plan. I'll just tell you right now. I won't read it. T L D R. What does that stand for, Daryl? Too long. Didn't read. Correct. I, no investor wants to read your 46 page business plan. Give me one sheet of paper, make it clear, make it concise, you know, put some pictures on it. Even like, give me a diagram, show me a chart. Like, do I, you want some crayons to fill in the lines? Yeah, you may, <laughs> no, I want, I want it all filled in when you give it to me. Um, and you know, the thing and the reason for that, okay. So this is Um, I do know a lot of VCs, I do know a lot of investors, I know a lot of people that deal with this kind of stuff. And one of them said something to me a few months back regarding uh, people approaching him for a pitch. He said, if these people get 10% of my attention, they have done well. It's because we're, people are busy. We're doing stuff. We don't, you know, like you have like a minute or 30 seconds. Or the,
1: the reality of the situation is you get how many a hundreds, lot, a lot. How many of those really pique your interest? So you're already predetermined in a manner when you get that in your hand that it's not going to be something yeah. you're interested in. So yeah. it has to be something that to try to grab your interest,
0: right? And we're going to talk about the VC experience at the end of this. Um, but so anyway, the executive summary. Sum it up. Make it. Make it. I've had people give me eighty page business plans. I'm like, what? What do you want me to do with the saber like, tree, dude? Well, spend more
1: time building your business instead yeah, of right, making your plan. Right.
0: Um, It's kind of funny that brings me up to the old uh, uh, like uh, joke or whatever you want to call it about the shopkeeper that's so busy cleaning the store that he never takes time to open it. It's the same way with the business plan. Like it's all going to be wrong anyway. Yes. Watson does that too. because was working on projections for fullscale.io. And he was like, I was like, yeah, I'm working two years out. He's like, why? I'm like, because I need to
1: do this on some level to see some stuff. That, you have to have a game plan. Yes. You so, can't detail out your entire path.
0: Right. So here's the things that are important with that game plan. First off, you got to have a market analysis. Who are you competing with? Who are the players in the space who are likely to be the players in the space, not just now, but maybe later? And how big is that space? Is that fair? You have
1: a background in finance. I
0: mean, give I us
1: drop some knowledge. Completely fair. So I, I like to think of this with a metaphor of, of football. So if I'm going in to play the opposing team next week, I'm going to take a look at their game plan. I'm going to see their strengths, their weaknesses, what I could do to possibly exploit that to to be successful in the end and win the game. I might script out my first 10 plays because that's in sight. But I'm not going to put on paper the play that I'm going to call at the seven-minute mark in the third quarter because I don't know yet. Yeah, you have no clue. I'm going to put myself in the best position to win by doing the preparation that I'm able to do up front. That could possibly be scripting out the first 10 plays because that stuff is a little bit in sight. You know where you're initially going. After that, it's a crapshoot. So you need to have some some kind of preparedness plan in place to know what your strengths are, what the weaknesses are of the industry, where you could possibly slot in, how, if you do win this game, you could win it. And they call that the SWOT. And then you play the game.
0: Yeah, it's a really well-known SWOT, S-W-O-T, Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. It's a good place to start. All right. Next, you need to be able to clearly define, describe, and maybe display your service or product.
1: If you can't, this should be the most basic. I know I, you're me, laughing right? because it, yeah, I if feel the same way. If you can't do that, then you shouldn't be out pitching. The and, plan. and you absolutely should. I, I mean, the one thing I think if you're selling a, a product or service, you should absolutely be able to do a 10 second elevator pitch to every single person you walk by and be very clear when you're done with that 10 seconds about what you do.
0: What does Gigabook do? It helps people take appointments online. Done.
1: Uh, that's enough. Yeah. If
0: you want, if you want more information, I will give it to you. But no one wants to hear blah 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 blah. blah. blah, blah because if I'm interested,
1: and, if that grabbed my yeah. attention, I'll say, "Well, elaborate on well, that. Tell, me a, more, tell I, me a little more." Because I little more. I've
0: actually been looking into something that may be able to help me with that. Tell me more. Right. So, so if know, if you
1: can't do that,
0: nobody knows more about your business than you. You know, what drives me nuts. I've got a really great idea. I would love to buy you a cup of coffee and talk to you all about it to you. What do you think? And I'm thinking, God, my time is definitely worth three bucks an hour. Like you got to come with something to to get someone's attention or to get, like you said, especially if it's people that are investing or involved in a lot of businesses, like they're going to have a lot of data and a lot of information and they have had the approach a million times. So, okay. So you've defined your product, you defined your service. You also had to define like, who's the recipient. That's part of the market analysis. So a good example would be, um, Gigabook helps small businesses take appointments online. We do it with technology that can be placed on the service provider's website and allows their client to schedule or see availability, possibly pay for, Um, the service ahead
1: of time and
0: a variety of other workflow automation
1: features, right? And see, that's great because now you've added a value proposition. Sure.
0: Sure. So you, you have to make sure with that, that when you, I say FAB, features, advantages, and benefits. And if you're not talking about the benefits that your service or product provide, you are giving an incomplete sales presentation and you are giving a hollow, like, Okay. So here's the thing is like, um, all right, we'll talk about Google as if Google didn't exist. Like, okay, what is, what does a search engine do? And you say, well, you can enter information into it and, um, it will give you a bunch of results. Okay. You can enter any question you want and it will help you find information related to the answers you seek. You know, or whatever, and that's just simple benefit. I mean, if you people don't buy features, they buy benefits. And and sure, I probably could have given a better example there, but whatever. So next thing I want to hear about: well, we keep talking about we've talked about path to revenue. How are you going to sell it? How you going to sell it? And what do you have in mind?
1: Exactly. You better have a very clear path of how that you're going to monetize it.
0: Yeah, because if if you
1: can't monetize it, nobody's going to give you like. Why would I give you you money money? for a hobby at that point? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to fund your hobby.
0: So sales is tricky and it's not, it's not easy. And it's a lot in marketing and advertising is a lot more expensive. And, you know, that goes with sales. Like you have to have a valid marketing plan and you have to tell me exactly, like, okay, if you just, if you just tell me that the way that you're going to market your product is through buying ads on Google, I don't want to hear about it. If that's your whole plan. Like anybody can do that.
1: And they already are they likely. Already
0: are. Right. They already are. And, and you know, there, there has to be coming with a well-rounded thing. I usually want to hear three to five ways that you're going to market something. Because guess what? One of them might not work. And if you don't know the answer to whether it's going to work, if you don't know what your your cost per click is going to be, if you don't know what your cost per, you know, acquisition or acquired You know, customer, if you don't know that information, how much does it cost for you to get a paying account, to sell a product, to do any of that? If you can't tell me that, or you don't have a very well-informed idea, then I'm not giving you my money because you don't know what to do with it. Seems fair. Unless you're flat out telling me, I well... Okay. Some seed stage businesses will legitimately have business plans and you can do that. You can say, we need a 100 We've built a product. We have an idea and we need $100,000 to try to answer the following questions.
1: Now that's back to speaking to the audience and what you're truly trying to accomplish. You have, I think that's very important that you can have a decent shot there. there, You could have a shot
0: there because you're being up front. You're saying this is
1: what it needs to do. So instead of looking like you are underprepared or don't know, don't, yeah, you just don't know, or you don't have the capability to produce that you're letting them know up front. I just, I need the money to figure it out. Yeah. So it's a different, it's a different end game
0: and you're going to have to temper your expectations from investors at that point because you're pretty freaking risky at that point. You don't you know, the more un, the more unanswered questions you have the uh the more equity you're going to uh, Well,
1: out. I would say the more unanswered questions you have the more time you should spend relationship building instead of building your business plan. Cuz right. you got a better chance of getting in the door and getting that money if you've built a strong relationship without a doubt. So Now that
0: you've got that, one of the expenses you need to list is sales and marketing, but you better have a good idea of what your other expenses are. You can have rent, you have insurance, and it's unbelievable how many business plans I've looked at that have left out the most obvious stuff that make you look like a total newbie. So how are people buying this? They're buying it online. Why is there not a line item in here for merchant transaction fees? What's that? The two to three percent that Visa MasterCard, PayPal, Amazon Pay, Apple Pay, really anything pay charges you to do an online transaction just to collect and give you back your own money. Oh, I mean that's a huge like, that's a huge oversight. It's right. like two, three percent of your sales, like right there. Like and then also things that aren't scalable. Like if well, you're you know, if well you not
1: only that is that's an oversight in the dollar amount that you're projecting, it's that you clearly don't have any experience at this right. point.
0: Right. Not good. Yeah. Not good. Not, not, not gonna again, help, you've not lost gonna credibility. Help, not going to help getting funded. Um, so still in the mantra of that, um, is how much money do you need? How much is your runway? You know, you need to understand the lingo too. Like what does the term
1: burn rate mean? Do you know? I do. Tell how me. fast you're going to burn through that money. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs>
0: but you got it. And, and you know, that's another thing too
1: is if your burn rate is so tight and so concise that, you know, you say, you're and like, can, no room for error. Because keep in mind, this is a game plan, not a step-for-step strategy. Right. You're going to experience things that you don't foresee. Right. And that and so all of
0: this comes into the final part of your plan that's key. And I want to see a projection. I want to see how all the stuff you just described adds up. And I want to i want to see that you understand the math behind it, that you can add it up, that you can put it all together. And projections are things like, okay, at this percentage of sales, I'm going to have to add another person here. I'm going to have to add another server. I'm going to have to add another developer. I'm going to have to maybe explore having another delivery vehicle i'm gonna have to do a lot of different things that are related to figuring it out and uh if you can show me that you are a whiz bang kind of person with the projections you're going to build a lot of faith in me that you can actually handle the money that you're asking me to give you i i personally you know look i have just taught myself how to do it professor google taught me how to be good at creating projections i didn't even I can't even tell you that I learned that part about business in school. I learned it through experience and whatever. And you know, you know, you talk about not having things too tight in any projection that I write, I literally have a line item that just says, oh, shit. And, I, and I'll make it and, and I might make it like 3% of revenue. And, you know, it's it's funny, too, because when I've advised people and I'll put that in there, they're like they're we don't need that. It drives the, it changes the projections. I'm
1: like, no, you do need it. So we do it, but I do it as a contingency budget and it's always 5%. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's oh shit. And what is oh shit? What is oh shit? It means oh shit. We didn't think about the fact that this occurred. Oh shit. The truck broke down. Oh shit. Some, the
1: something, something, something. Somebody quit and took equipment. Now you got to replace equipment. There's a million different scenarios that you will ultimately run across all of them. Yeah, oh
0: shit's pretty serious. So put that line in there and be happy when you don't say oh shit and you get to put the money or, back. Or in if market. you
1: don't have some realistic pad a little bit, be conservative and definitely call out assumptions. I think that's one of the business the, the biggest things I see in financial projections that kills me is that and and this is good for a lot of people that haven't done a lot of these, you are gonna have to make assumptions around this. There's there's no way to predict the future. So, just make sure you call them out and be conservative with it,
0: yeah, someone that's going to invest in your company doesn't uh expect your projections to be right actually they're all bullshit there's one right. thing there's one thing that i'm certain about about your plan is that your projections will be wrong yes I, there's that's a one, the only one hundred percent chance okay. and, you know and 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 if you are one hundred percent on, then you are the freaking oracle, and I want you to help me play some sports bets on the <laughs> NFL games next week, so Okay, so also in your plan and your ability to determine what needs to occur with and around the people you're working with is making some important decisions that on some levels can't be decide, uh, undecided, um, like equity. Who gets what? Who gets that? You can't undo certain things, and you know, you know, and that same thing rolls right into you know determining the roles. Defining them, hey, what are you going to do? I'm not going to get too far into this because if you want to listen to episode 61, which is the one immediately preceding this million dollar bedroom series, then do it. It's about having bad business partners. And, uh, you know, there's a whole lot about it. So, okay. So, Daryl, I created this plan. And I'm ready to roll. I feel like i've got i've I've done well i've I've given consideration to the market i've def- clearly defined my service and who who may buy it. I created a plan to sell stuff and get it in front of people. I feel like I've adequately uh created expenses. I've determined how much funding I needed and I wrapped it all up into a projection so um i'm gonna go get some money now Where do I do that?
1: I think, I think the first thing that I would do in that in that process is run it by somebody who has no idea what you're doing.
0: Oh wait, I shouldn't immediately pursue everyone in the world of finance <laughs> and, and and investment.
1: No, the, oh. I, it's not quite the same as handing off your mixtape. Oh yeah, well that's what I'm trying to get funded.
0: I've been trying to get my mixtape funded for a while. Do you know Diddy? I do. Really? Can you give them my mixtape? Yeah, I'll pass it along. Uh, So that'd be awesome.
1: So I think the key is to to get some feedback. If you can get somebody that's not familiar with what you're doing, whose opinion you trust, that can read through that plan and then accurately spit back to you what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish. Then I think you're ready to move on to passing this along to someone and trying to
0: get some funding. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. So Let's say that all that occurred. Here are some of the options that you've got. Well, first off, if you don't have a business at all and you are in what we lovingly refer to as the seed stage, meaning you're hoping to drop it in the ground, cover it with dirt, sprinkle some water on it and see if it sprouts. There are some places that most people go. First off, let me clarify something for all of you. Banks do not give loans to new businesses and startups. It, it just don't, don't even bother. Don't even bother. They're not, they're not giving you a loan. It doesn't matter what you have, how you've prepared. Banks do not give loans. Well, they might, but you're going to have to secure it with so much collateral, it wouldn't even be worth it. You might as well figure something else out or sell something, you know, like, but you're not going to walk into the bank and get a loan for your new business. It just doesn't happen. Like even the SBA and stuff like that, like they want to see some kind of history. They want to see something. So now the next thing. The next place that leads to funding is usually what is lovingly called the angel investor. Who's an angel? Well, there's a couple different definitions. The angel usually is a friend, a family, someone, (laughs) you. How can you be your own angel investor? I did it, man. I started a business with an $8,000 limit on a credit card and created 30 million bucks in revenue. I was my own angel. Uh, You can also be your own devil. With that, so be careful. Um, an angel investor is also often the term that we use for what it's called an accredited investor. An accredited investor is um, someone that has had over $200,000 in income in the last couple, each of the last couple of years, and has over $1 million in net worth, none of which is related to the value of their home. And these are people that are savvy. So I'm an angel investor. I I am an angel investor in some different businesses. And why? And that's because I I do meet accredited investment standards. And what that means is I'm able to buy securities or portions or parts of businesses without having SEC approval. There's a lot of angels out there, but these are people that are usually making investments in anywhere from like one (laughs) to half a million bucks, maybe. And and that high end is rare. So um, a lot of angels out there, typically they're, I don't know. These are just people like they're obviously, honestly, just people with a few bucks that are usually entrepreneurs themselves. So did you want to invest in my mixtape? I do. What do you got? I, do you, I've got one dollar. Oh, dude, you're I'm not be on the low end. Are you accredited? <laughs> no. Well, then you can't be an angel investor. But, you know, so that means we'll have to be partners instead, which is a different type of investment. And, you know, that's having a partner is uh, often a good idea. Once again, listen to episode 61, to Start a Puzzle and learn a lot more about what to look for in a partner and how to avoid bad ones. So, all right. Um, whenever I'm out and about and I'm talking to people about business, it's always pe funding. Some people's always asking questions. Why do I don't get funded. Or they're like, Yeah, when I get funded, I'm like, cool, when you get funded, you know, but you got to be realistic and you gotta be prepared. So um I want to talk about the VC experience. <laughs> you, you people want to know, let's talk about the VC experience. Um It's not like Shark Tank, but it kind of is a little bit. Um, First off, like Daryl said earlier, a a VC or a venture capitalist, these are actual firms. These are funds. This is um, pools of money that are run by people that are usually savvy investors, have experience in investing in businesses, and they want to do stuff. Right, Daryl? Yes. Okay. So um, as a VC... Do I probably get a whole lot of inquiry? Just a little bit. I mean,
1: (laughs) the talk. I mean, that's what you're doing all day, every day. A lot, a lot.
0: So, like you said earlier, you have to understand your audience and you're going to have people that, all right, so look, these people get literally like hundreds or some places probably even more. Yeah, I would assume some have thousands. Monthly, like tons of it. And so here's the thing is, They are, I like to equate the VC thought process to hitting in baseball. And except for a a good VC and the successful ones, and the ones that will actually last, are that are the most disciplined hitter of all time. They are looking at every single pitch until it is exactly in that sweet spot that they want to take a stroke at. Now in reality is that how it works no not always because these are risk averse people that are into the business of taking risk like reality in reality a vc understands that a huge portion of their uh of their investments are probably going to fail. Well, it's
1: still back to the baseball. You can be a hall of fame hitter failing 70% of the time. It's the same nature with VC.
0: And it's the same thing, just like Daryl said. So, you know, with the VC experience, um, you're going to get put through the grinder. Um, and if you're trying to seek funding and you think a VC is going to, going to hear your pitch and give you money like a week later, wrong. Um, And there's no real statistics on this, but the likelihood is is you're probably going to wait several months just for an answer and a few more months just receive a check. And these folks have intentionally learned to drag their feet. They will put you through a process called due diligence where they're now going to tear apart every part of your business and every part of you to make sure that you're credible and you are capable of handling the bigger check that they're going to give you than most angels will. Does that sound about right? Yes. Okay. So you have a much better chance of getting a VC to hear what you have to say, sending them one one piece of paper rather than fifty. You get their attention. You come in for a meeting. They're going to ask you a bunch of questions. They and by the way, expect some brutal reality. These are busy people, and at the they have learned that at the moment they know that they're not buying. That they will end the meeting. You might be at three minutes into it, and they're like, "You know what? This isn't what we do. Thanks for coming in." And it, it, and I haven't been on that end of it, but I've talked to a lot of people that have, and it's heartbreaking. And they're also going to tell you things that you know, that uh, oh, this sucks. This is blah 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 blah. Sometimes they're telling you that even though they don't mean it. Just you got to keep in mind until the moment that you that they sign a contract and send you a check, it's their job to get the most out of you for the least. It's still a
1: negotiation.
0: It is. So just because they're saying no or they have negatives, Like in the world of sales, a a buyer without any objections is probably not really going to be a buyer. That's just someone that isn't interested. Appeasing you. Yeah. So with that, you also have what is often referred to as smart money, or not so smart money. So Daryl, are you uh, are you versed on the difference between the two? I'm not. Okay, so smart money are people that can open doors for you. They are people that have connections or investments in other companies that they can directly link you to. So now they have a double vested interest. Um, so example would be as if I sold part of Gigabook Um, to a VC that also had a huge investment in a chain of XYZ that would greatly benefit from having a booking platform, right? So smart money, those are the smart money can help you with connections. It can directly help you with advice based on the experience, or they can help you with something that is directly related to business intelligence, right? Right. Sure. So what would not so smart money be? That's an easy answer. And if you get it wrong, you're not so smart.
1: So it's without the connections. Yes. Yay. Hey.
0: <laughs> but no, that I mean, and it doesn't mean that there's anything right or wrong about it, but in the in the you're always better with smart money, um, yeah. if you can get it and you know, if you feel that and you should establish that up front if you do actually get to the point of taking it you know like what what can you help can you help me with anything other yeah. than writing what check? else
1: comes along with the money right you are going to get guidance connections right. doors opened.
0: right and and what's your you know like what's your level of involvement like am i never going to hear from you again and i'll let you know if this ends up being good or something yeah. different so you know, really, if you're trying to approach VCs or other investors, look, it can also be a somewhat of a volume game. Like, you know, don't fire off all your cannons at once. Maybe see if you can get a couple meetings, and be and you know, be persistent about it. Be persistent about. It. Don't just send an email and because you didn't get a reply right away, give up. Like, keep after it and keep following up. So, you know, here we are, and we're at the end of this four part series that was based on my book. Million Dollar Bedroom: The Scrappy Lessons of Success, Setbacks, and Other Surprises Not Taught in Business School.
1: Um, Daryl, thanks for doing this with me. Hey, it's been a pleasure. It's actually been really fun, it, but I'm ready to return to my role as a listener. Oh, come
0: on, <laughs> come on! Is it too much? Is it all the work? It's so much work. It is. No, it's really not. It's, We've just been sitting here talking into microphones for a few hours. Yeah, it's
1: what we would have done without microphones.
0: Maybe maybe we've gone over so many things with the story. I mean, and you know, for those of you that, that made it through all these, you know, thanks. Um, I really had wanted to kind of tell the story. I got to tell you, we left out so much stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, there's so so much more in the book. You know, we've always joked that we always felt that the movie is always better than the book. It is. I don't know in this case, if it, if it, if the podcast is better than the book. Um, well, the
1: book is the end all be all in this case, right?
0: Yeah. Well, the book was what the podcast was based off of. Is this how I get my EGOT? It's can you win a Tony for a podcast? I don't know. Can you win any awards for a book? I want an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. I don't think I progressed. I don't think I got any closer. To no, I don't think so. Well, you know, for those of you listening, thank you. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. <clears throat> there is a lot more information, a lot more million-dollar lessons, um, a lot more in the book than we were able to cover here. Uh, book's $14.99 uh, if you buy it on Amazon. I got another book called Balance Me, A Realist Guide to a Successful Life. Um, that one is almost open source. It's uh, I do the electronic version for 99 cents, and that's because Amazon won't let you give it away for free. So you know it is what it is but you know daryl thanks again for uh well thank you for being such an integral part in the million dollar bedroom thanks for having me
1: it's been one heck of a ride
0: yeah i appreciate it and you know I, I once again don't think it would have been as great of a story without your help um part of me actually feels like i i'm gonna have to write another chapter because so much of every you know this is a story that is still being written In many ways, it just stopped at where I quit writing it. There's so much more exciting stuff that's happened. We're going to keep you filled in about all that here on Startup Hustle. If you want to check out my current business, Full Scale, also owned by Master Matt Watson, you can go to fullscale.io. Daryl, thank you. Everyone else, see you around on the next episode of Startup Hustle.